You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter 2 in your Bible, and I would say this will be the last sermon or the last message from Luke chapter 2, but I can't say that for sure because I just feel like I keep coming back to this passage of Scripture and uh, this portion. I hope it will be a blessing to you. We saw this morning about what took place after the Christmas story. Uh, We saw after the shepherds that uh, eight days later they took Jesus and they circumcised him according to the law. Uh, Forty days after the birth, they took Jesus to the temple after the days of the purification for Mary, again, according to the law. And we see in verse number 25, we see the account of Simeon there in the temple. Uh, Then we see in verse 36, the account of Anna. And uh, what a a testimony, uh, this dear lady, a widow of 84 years, and yet she was still serving God. And can I tell you, these Bible characters and these stories and these truths have helped me so much. But then we get down to verse number 39. It says, and when they had performed all things, this is Mary and Joseph concerning Jesus, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. You know what happened? They had to go back to normal, everyday life. That's hard for some people. Can I say it at this time of year, that's very hard for some people because the loved ones that have gone on, it's hard because maybe there's some things in your life that are not right, some things that are out of your control, but it's the situation that you're in. The Bible says that after all of this, Jesus was born and they took him to the temple and they had the experience with Simeon, the experience with Anna and all those things. But then after they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. But then verse number 40, I've read this verse many times and so have you, I'm sure. But I felt like the Lord used this verse recently in my heart and my life to help me and to challenge me. It says, and the child. Now, who's the child? Who are we talking about? It's Jesus. The child is Jesus. Now, Jesus Christ, we'll make this very clear. Jesus Christ did not become God. He is God. You say, well, you mean he was God? No, he is God. He is the great I am. He's always been. He didn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an ending. He is God. So I don't want you to think for a moment that I am saying that here Jesus was born and he wasn't yet God, you know, and he had to grow into that position. Absolutely, positively, no. Jesus is 100% God at this point in this story. But keep in mind, Jesus put on flesh. He became a man. Did you know when Jesus was born, he was not born, and 40 days later when they took him to the temple, he wasn't having conversations 
with people. Jesus had to uh, uh, develop physically to be able to speak. He had to learn so that he could think and he had to, uh, to grow just like you and I. He, he experienced what you and I experience in the flesh, although he still is and was God. But verse 40 says this about Jesus. It says, and the child, he grew and he waxed strong in spirit. Now, hang on. This word spirit is not the Holy Spirit, although we do find that Jesus Christ, when he was baptized, you remember what happened there? The Holy Spirit of God in the form of a, a dove descended upon him and there was a voice from heaven from the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But this is not talking about Jesus growing in the Holy Spirit. This is talking about Jesus in his spirit. Did you know that you have a spirit? And I have a spirit. We usually use this expression. It's your attitude. It's your emotions. Did you know that, that, that your heart is not necessarily in the Bible, your heart is not the, the organ that pumps the blood, but the heart is the control center of your emotions. And I realized that some people are more emotional than others. My wife and I, we have five children. And every one of them is different. And I won't talk about Lacey and Savannah because they're in here. But we have some others that are not in here that I cannot believe how quickly their emotions can change. And I don't mean just change once. I mean change and then change back. Like faster than you can flip a switch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Emotional. And it can be hysterical laughing and then it can be uh, crocodile tears the next instant. And I don't understand that. But some people are that way. And when you're five or six or seven or when you're two or three or four, that may be acceptable. But did you know as Christians, we ought to be growing in our spirit? We ought to be growing in our attitude? We ought to be having some control of our emotions? I'm not talking about at a funeral. I'm not talking about at a hospital bed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your everyday life. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible says that he waxed strong in spirit. Then it says he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Let me give you just three quick thoughts tonight on this subject. Growing like God intended. God intended for you and God intended for me to grow. He never intended for you to get saved and remain a babe in Christ your whole life as a Christian. God intends for you to grow. The Bible tells us that newborn babes, they desire the sincere milk of the word. But as you grow in grace and as you grow in your Christian life, you ought to be able to handle some meat. Now, I try on Sunday mornings especially, I try to keep it down on the, on the bottom shelf where everybody can understand whether somebody just walked in the church, they've never been in church, or somebody's been saved a long time, or somebody's uh, young or old or whatever the case may be. But can I tell you, we get into some stuff and we're doing that now on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation. That's some meat. 
you're going to have to you're going to have to dig in the Bible and you're going to have to study and you're going to have to figure out and, and, and understand what the Bible says. You ought to be at a place where you are growing in your Christian life. But how can we grow like God intended for us? Luke one, verse 40, it says of Jesus, he grew and he waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Look with me, if you would, ahead at verse number 52. And the Bible says in uh, Luke uh, 2, 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That means Jesus grew intellectually. That means Jesus grew physically. That means that Jesus grew spiritually and he grew socially. Those are four areas. This is another message for another time. But we ought to be growing in all those areas. You, you ought to be growing. You, you ought to have a better health, if possible. You ought to have better health now than you did a year ago. Uh, you ought to have more information, more knowledge. You ought, to be, you ought to be better mentally now than you were a year ago. You ought to be better spiritually now than you were a year ago. You ought to be better socially you say, well, I just don't have any friends. And everybody, well, no, 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 you're exactly right. Because you're not going to grow socially if you don't be the one to be the friend. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Amen. Oh, pastor, I tell you what, this church, nobody ever does anything for me. Exactly. And you just missed the point. Because the purpose of the church is not for the church to do for you. The purpose of the church is for you to get involved so you can do for somebody else. And if you're waiting for somebody to do something for you, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you're going to be waiting a long time. And even when somebody does do something for you, I promise you it won't be enough. You say, well, they did that for me, but they did something even better for somebody. No, 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 whoa, 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 hang on. It's not what your church can do for you to steal the phrase from JFK, you know. It's not what the church can do for you, but it's what can you do for the church? What can you do for somebody else? Amen. Now, don't walk out of here and say, oh, that pastor, he doesn't want, think anybody. No, no, no. The church ought to help you, and the ministries ought to help you. But the church is not the pastor. The church is not the staff. The church is not the deacons. The church is the people. You, unless you're here visiting tonight, you are the church. Amen. We are the church, and together we work together uh, to reach out, to help, to encourage, and all those things. Number one, I want to talk to you about this. Jesus waxed strong in spirit. That word waxed in the Old Testament, New Testament, it means very similar, but it means to become or to grow. And Jesus waxed strong in spirit. Turn with me back, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter 1. In verse number 80, here is a description of John the Baptist. And the Bible says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Interesting, that description is also given of John the Baptist that he waxed strong in spirit. Jesus waxed strong in spirit. I wonder if God's trying to tell us something. I wonder if we need some strengthening in our spirit. I wonder if we need some strengthening in our attitude. I wonder if we need some strengthening in our actions and our reactions. I wonder if we need some strengthening also in our spirit. 
Turn with me, if you would, to the Old Testament, to Joshua chapter 17. Joshua 17, we're talking about number one, God's desire for us is to grow and to wax or become strong in our spirit. Joshua 17, verse number 13 says, yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong. And I understand this is physical strength. This is military strength. But when they were waxing strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. You see, sometimes you, you can get to a point of strength. And sometimes you can feel like you don't need to work on it. And maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've got this area taken care of. I've got my attitude under control. I've got my spirit in check. Well, be very careful because pride goeth before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. Be very careful. You say, ah, I've got all this. I don't even know why you're talking about this tonight. Well, if Jesus had to grow and Jesus had to become strong in spirit, I think we do too. If John the Baptist had to, I think we, we should as well. Turn with me now to the uh, end of the New Testament, almost the end, Hebrews 11. We see in Hebrews 11 this Hall of Faith chapter. We see at the end of Hebrews 11, there are some heroes, there are some Christians, there are some martyrs that are not even named. They're just, they're, they're grouped together. They're just kind of thrown out there at the end, just as a, 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 a parenthetical expression. But the Bible says about these, it says in verse number 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, Wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight. And they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Can I tell you how you're going to wax strong? Can I, can I just give you the disclaimer right now? If you're going to get strong, and become strong in your spirit, if you're going to be strong in your Christian life, there will be some challenges. As a matter of fact, you won't get strong unless you face some adversity. If I told you tonight, I said, and this is not, this is not the plan, but if I told you tonight, folks, my plan is, by the end of the year, I'm going to be bench pressing 500 pounds. And I go, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I got some little two-pound dumbbells. I'm going to be working those things a lot this year. You know what you'd say? It's not going to happen. But I'm lifting weights. Yeah, but that's not enough. You're going to need more resistance. You're going to need more weight. You're going to need more adversity. You're going to need things to be hard for you to become strong in your spirit. Can I tell you this week? You've got some goals. You've got some resolutions. That old devil's got some goals for you too. That old devil's got some resolutions too of some things he wants to throw at you. And you're going to find out this week and I'm going to find out this week how strong our spirit is. Are you strong in spirit? Uh, do you have your, your, your emotions under control? Uh, have you yielded yourselves to the Lord? We must be strong in our spirit. It doesn't happen overnight. As a matter of fact, it happens one day at a time. It happens over the course of time. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But that strengthening must take place in your life every single day. 
Ephesians 6, the Bible says that we are to put on the whole armor of God. How often do you have to put on the armor? Every day. Because you will face adversity. You will face battles. If you're going to be strong in spirit, it's going to take time. It's going to happen through the hard times, not the easy times. We live in a society, and not just in, with unsaved people, but we live in a society with Christians, where so many Christians are faced with emotional disorders. Uh, and, I, and I'm not discrediting those things. I think that those things are very real. But you know, for some Christians, the problem is that they've just not become strong in spirit. For some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we are still babies in Christ. We've not matured. Uh, we've not allowed the Holy Spirit of God to have control. We don't spend time in the Word of God. We're still, we're still asking the friend at work what they think we ought to do rather than going to the Word of God and saying, God, what would you have me to do? Maybe this evening you're battering, battling anger. Maybe you're battling bitterness. Maybe you're battling a critical spirit. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's depression. I don't know what it may be, but I'll tell you this. God's plan is for you this year to grow and to become strong in spirit. Number two, very quickly, not only did Jesus wax strong in his spirit, but number two, the Bible says he was filled with wisdom. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that God took some men and he filled them with the spirit of wisdom. James chapter one, verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of who? Of God. And he giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Now, if you need if you need hamburgers, there's a lot of places you can go. I don't know if they're open on January 1st after church, but there are places you can go. If you need a milkshake, there's places you can go. Uh, if you need some coffee, there's places you can go. If you need a pie, there's places you can go. Uh, I don't know why we're talking about all the food. It must have been the, the year-end video. And did you notice in the year-end video, did you notice that we didn't use a lot of those pictures that Brother Andy Moody used to always take of people at fellowships? He'd always catch you with your fork, you know, right in your mouth. You remember those days? Uh, I guess he got demoted or something, for at least not at the fellowships taking pictures. But if you need that, there's a lot of places you can go. If you need some clothes, there's a lot of places you can go. As a matter of fact, you can order on Amazon. But if you need wisdom, there's only one place you can go. Because only one person is the source of all wisdom, and that is God. And if you're going to grow in wisdom, you're going to have to spend some time with God. And you're going to have to get in the Word of God, and you're going to have to pray and ask God for wisdom. Ask God to fill you with wisdom. Would you turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy 34, I've, I've, I've seen this verse many times, but this last week, this jumped out at me as I was studying for this message. But Deuteronomy 34... It talks about Moses and Joshua. And it says in Deuteronomy 34 and verse number 9, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. How come? The Bible says, For Moses had laid his hands upon him. Now again, where does all wisdom come from? It comes from God. Where did Joshua get wisdom? He got it from Moses, who got it from God. Can you imagine having so much wisdom that you've got enough to spare? Can you imagine 
the kind of man that Moses must have been, a man that walked with God, a man that had the power of God, a man that experienced the Shekinah glory of God all over his face. Can you imagine that Moses put his hands on Joshua and because of that, Moses had so much of an overflowing of the wisdom of God that it could be said about Joshua that he was full of the spirit of wisdom. Can I tell you, in our churches, I think, in our church specifically, I think we're suffering a shortage of wisdom. I don't think we got a lot of members that are overflowing with wisdom. They've got more than they know what to do with. I think we need some members that need to get with God and fill up on wisdom and beg God and ask God to help us with our marriages and help us with our children and help us in our workplace and help us in our ministries and help our lives to be what God wants us to be. May God fill us with his wisdom. He will fill those that are hungry. He will fill those that are thirsty. He will fill those who will call upon him. But God is not going to fill a vessel until it is first empty. You've seen the illustration before. If I have a cup full of water and I take a cup of sweet tea and I try to pour the sweet tea in the cup that's already full, it doesn't work that way. And so many times we are so filled with pride. We're so filled with self and we're so filled with our own ideas Sometimes we don't even have a vessel that God could fill if he wanted to. May God help us to be empty of self so that we can be filled with the wisdom of God. Number three, how do we grow in the way that God intended? Not only in the, to be strong in spirit. Number two, to be filled with wisdom. But then number three, to have the grace of God. But notice what it says, to have the grace of God upon us. Let me get back here to Luke chapter 2. Are you there in Luke 2? Look at verse number 40 again. We're talking about Jesus. The child grew. He waxed strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Now this verse does not say that the grace of God was in him. Although I think we know that's true. This verse says the grace of God was upon him. Wouldn't it be great this week if as we went out into our workplaces and we went out into our neighborhoods and we went into our community. By the way, when we came to church, people could see that we had the grace of God on us. It was evident. It was all over our lives. I mean, it was just you couldn't miss it. We were not secret service Christians. We were not undercover. We were not disguised. We were not in hiding. But it was evident that the grace of God was all over your life. You say, how could we do that? Well, I think one way is when it's all over our face. I think when you got the joy of the Lord, I think people think there's something different about that person. I think it's also evident when it's in our words. When it's in our conversation, when our conversations are not, oh, this person's so bad and that person's so terrible and oh, did you hear about this? But our conversations are, hey, let me tell you how good God's been in my life. Wouldn't it be great if people would just step back and say, wow, I don't know what happened to that person, but there's something different about them and it's all over them. Is the grace of God upon you? The Bible says in Acts 11, who when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they should cleave unto the Lord. That's Barnabas. 
And Barnabas came to these Christians in Acts 11 and he could see the grace of God upon their lives. Number one, I'll say this about the grace of God. People ought to be able to see it. But then in Acts 13, verse number 43, he persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Not only should people be able to see the grace of God in us, but they ought to have a desire to stick with the grace of God. They ought to say, boy, that's something I need. I don't just need the grace of God in 2022. I need it in 2023. And I didn't just need it last week. I need it this week. I didn't just need it yesterday. I need it today. I need the grace of God. I'm going to stick with the grace of God every day. And then Acts 20, 24, it says to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That's just simply sharing it. You say, well, what's the difference between sharing the grace of God and sharing the gospel? I don't know that there's a difference. I think one leads right into the other. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Titus 2, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. You just start talking about how good God is and that's going to very quickly lead you into a conversation about how somebody else can experience the grace of God because it is the grace of God that brings salvation. Do you have the grace of God not just in your life, not just that here you were back in your teen years or here you were back in your early adult years and, and you experienced a little bit of the grace of God and boy, that was back there and every story you tell, oh yeah, back there I had, boy, God blessed. And, no, no, no. But do you have, have, you, have you taken it with you? Are you experiencing it now? Is it on you? Is it evident? Is it all over your life? I think it was yesterday. At the end of the day, uh, Micah, we, he was getting ready for bed and I was taking his clothes off of him. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how much of the food got inside of him, but it was all over him. It was very evident. How many of you know someone that enjoys their food like that? Let me see your hands, right? I must say, I think my hand is up. There are some places I cannot go without getting something on me. You know, I mean, it's just... If it's messy, that probably means it's good, right? But it was all over him. I didn't have to ask him, say, uh, Micah, have you eaten today? I didn't have to say, hey, Micah, what'd you have for supper? I could see it. And can I tell you, I'm not saying that we need to go around and I'm not saying we need to be obnoxious. I'm not saying you need plaster bumper stickers, you know, turn or burn or whatever on your, on your uh, bumper of your car. I'm not saying that you have to have a big billboard out in your front yard that says God loves you. But I am saying this, people ought to see and they ought to know that you've got the grace of God all over your life. That's what I want. And Jesus, he grew. He waxed strong in spirit, the Bible says. Isn't that amazing? He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.